Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. This show was produced on the traditional lands of the Barkindji and Nyampa people and broadcast across these stolen lands via the community radio network. I'd like to pay my respects to elders from across these great lands and acknowledge the ongoing struggle for sovereignty and self-determination. I'm Megan Williams. The community, they're expecting once again to get done over by the government in favour of large political donors, let's just call it what it is. Today's episode starts with a community meeting held in the Menindee Civic Hall, where locals sitting on carefully spaced chairs await information about the plans to alter the Menindee Lake system. Really, the plans for the change of the Menindee Lakes has been, in, has been thought about probably 30-odd years ago. The Menindee Lakes in far west New South Wales are a highly significant string of lakes that run alongside the Lower Darling River. You might remember Menindee as the site of the major fish kills at the start of 2019, where millions of fish perished in a toxic pool of blue-green algae. Today I speak with Tom Kennedy, Broken Hill City Councillor and Publicity Officer for the Darling River Action Group, about the significance of the lake and the proposals to change their operation. And later, I speak with Jane McAllister, Community Organiser for Water for the Nature Conservation Council of New South Wales and Councillor for the Wentworth City Shire. We're going to start with some background from Tom about the life that the lakes once supported and how that's changed over the past 20 years. Uh, so I've been going to Menindi for most of my life, um, most people in the region have been going to Menindi for most of their lives. In 2001, before the first amount of water was released from the lakes, uh, there was orchards, they had cotton growing there, uh, the township had gone up to almost a 1,000 people. People were talking about Menindi being the next Mildura. Uh, Population was increasing, house prices were increasing. It was a vibrant little town. The water was released uh, and from then it has gone and degraded to a point of 500 people but uh, Menindi used to be a place where there was teeming in bird life. It was known to have more bird life than any other area in Australia. Uh, I can't remember the exact amount of species but there was a lot of um, species that were endangered. Uh, It's a fish breeding ground. They since have found out that just about all fish in all rivers uh, were spawned in the Menindi Lakes, and they work that out by uh, little stones that are in their in their uh, near their gills. So the Menindi Lakes um, was somewhere where people would go there to watch bird life. It was also an area where there was social a social area. There was a yachting club, a boating club. So it's a place that has been important to Broken Hill, and a place that's had a lot of money spent on it over the years. Since 2015, the lakes have gone dry twice after massive releases of water down the river to South Australia. Earlier this year, Lake Pamamaru and Lake Tanjua at the top of the system filled with water 
after big rains up north brought flows down the Darling River. Tom remembers when Menindee Lake went dry during the Millennium Drought back in 2001. When it first went dry, uh, I went around with a fellow who was a bird watcher. We collected about uh, 400-odd bird carcasses within about two hours around the Menin- Lake Menindee. Uh, some of those were speckled ducks, which is highly endangered. Uh, other types of duck that are only, uh, they migrate a long way from overseas to only Menindee Lakes. That no longer happens. So Menindee now has got to the point where it would take 15, 20 to 20 years to get back to a position that it was in 2002 or three. In recent years, changes to water supply in Broken Hill have allowed the lakes to remain dry, changing the priorities for water management. Righto, so what, what's happened um, in the last few years is Broken Hill had the Wentworth to Broken Hill pipeline uh, built, which cost half a billion dollars. The half a billion dollars was virtually used so that Broken Hill was no longer reliant on the Menindee Lakes. The only legislation that required water to flow down the Darling River was Broken Hill's 18-month supply of water, which must be kept in the lakes, which meant that there needed to be at least 80 gigalitres of water in the Menindee Lakes at all times. Um, So it was pushed that the Menindee Lakes, if Broken Hill could be separated from the Menindee Lakes, there would then in turn be no need to keep any water in the Menindee Lakes at all. Uh, so that was that was a push. Um, it's been acknowledged, which uh, is highly doubtful, that having no water kept in the Menindee Lakes will save 106 gigalitres of water per year in evaporation. Now, normal people can't get their head around the fact that if you keep no water in the, in the Menindee Lakes, it's considered a savings by having no no evaporation at the Menindee Lakes when... In reality, if there's no water, there's no savings. There's 12 proposals on the table to alter the Menindee Lakes. Tom explains them a bit further. So really, all all plans are virtually the same. Uh, the plans are that to get the 106 gigalitres of return, water will be kept in Wetherall. There will be a regulator put between Tanjua and Bajulki Lake. Uh, that... The township themselves and many people don't have access to those lakes because they are further up past past the township themselves. The main weir is virtually where Menindee uh, Township and most people would access water. Uh, so every pro- proposal is almost the same except for one which is talking about um, having a small weir pool in Pamamaru and a bank built around the outside of the Lake Menindee to keep a ring of water around Lake Menindee to give the perception of uh, a lake. Tom's pointing at one of the plans to build a levee bank just inside the perimeter of Lake Menindee. This would allow water to be kept at the lake's edge in the shape of a donut, but to otherwise keep the bulk of the lake dry. I ask him about the impact of these earthworks. We're talking uh, probably, probably 30, 40, 50 kilometres of earthworks. Now, one of the concerns that I have and everyone should have is if anyone was to actually um, do that earthworks, you don't know 
what damage would be done to cultural heritage, but also what damage would be done to the lake beds themselves. Uh, if you move or break through the clay surface of the lake, suddenly the lakes are then uh, virtually have holes in them and no water would ever be able to be kept in the lakes again as it would drain out into the water tables. So again, it goes back to uh, Lake Wetherall and keeping water in the small lakes off of Lake Wetherall. I ask him to clarify, what happens to the water at the top of the system if the plan is to keep the Menindee Lake at the bottom dry? So Lake Wetherall is actually really the river, Lake Wetherall becomes Lake Wetherall when it meets up with the four little lakes off the side of it. So Lake Wetherall itself is just the Darling River, which then goes into floodplain and fills these four lakes. What the proposal is, is to put Wetherall in floodplain. So you just block off the weir here and there. Wetherall or the Darling River floods, which creates Lake Wetherall. Uh, fills these two small lakes which then have regulators on it. They close off this, keep water in these two and allow Lake Wetherall to go back down to river size. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Tom Kennedy, Broken Hills City Councillor and Publicity Officer for the Darling River Action Group. He's talking about proposals to alter the Menindee Lake system in order to keep the large lakes dry as a so-called water savings measure. It's the largest of 36 projects being built under the Sustainable Diversion Limit Adjustment Mechanism in the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. But what does all that really mean? I ask Wentworth Shire Councillor, and community organiser in water for the Nature Conservation Council of New South Wales, Jane McAllister. So the, uh, the implementation of all the supply projects will allow 605 gigalitres of additional water to remain available for industry and communities. I'm reading this off the MDBA website. While still achieving the same or better environmental outcomes, to achieve this, a minimum of 62 gigalitres must be obtained through efficiency projects by 2019 in order for the total adjustment to remain within the 5% limit set out in the basin plan. So, you know, plus or minus 5%. These are, these are the ways that they create constructs to make it really difficult for ordinary people to understand what they're doing, particularly in terms of accounting for water. Jane's referring to the website of the Murray-Darling Basin Authority, and there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo going on. So why are they adjusting this sustainable diversion limit, and what's its purpose in the first place? Now, um, the MDBA's uh, website actually says it was to provide flexibility um, this mechanism to adjust sustainable diversion limits, which is the limits placed on um, diversion or extraction of the river system to a sustainable level. Now, that level, as we heard in the um, South Australian Royal Commission, has been uh, whittled down from, I think the scientists originally said, 7,000 to 4,000 uh, gigalitres. 
Um, and then somebody came up with the idea of it being a New South Wales postcode and therefore starting with two, they settled on 2750 gigalitres to be returned to the environment. So to summarise, in an effort to make industry and irrigation in the Murray-Darling Basin more sustainable, 2,750 billion litres of water was to be returned to the environment under the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. By flexibility, they mean more water can be used for irrigation. Jane explains further how water is recovered and where these projects fit in. So where we stand is uh, that there has been various um, methods of recovering that water. One of them was um, buybacks through open tender in a voluntary system and quite a few licences were bought back and uh, redistributed to the Commonwealth Environmental Water Holder, uh, the office that's been established to take care of um, water held for the environment um, and to ensure the health of particular target si- targeted sites. Um, and then there was a, a, a variant of supply projects, constraints projects and efficiency projects, um, which were to provide water or to remove obstacles to provision of water or to make operational or rule changes. And Menindi Lakes falls into the operational uh, or rule changes. The Menindi Lakes is the biggest water-saving project to come out of this policy change, which allows more water to be made available for consumption that is, town water, industry and irrigation. Jane explains further just how much the lakes are set to contribute. So of that 605 gigalitres basin-wide, the Menindi Lakes project represents, uh, I think the original figure we were told was 106 gigalitres, and then we've been told not to fixate on the figure, um, that, you know, it'll, it'll be... Uh, accounted in conjunction with other projects. So it it actually falls under the list of supply projects, operational rule changes and system enhancements. So they're they're not actually building anything. Um, the, The designs that have been drafted so far, and there are options from A to L, I believe, at the moment on the table, um, they vary between, um, uh, well, building regulators, so there, there will be some construction um, reworking existing regulators, um, perhaps portioning off a section of the lakes. Most of them depend on two of the lakes. So if you imagine a string of pearls, there's some big pearls and there's some little pearls. There are four main lakes um, and what they plan to do is cut two of them off, so set them adrift effectively so that they are disconnected from the rest of the lake system. I asked Jane what the community finds most concerning about these projects. So the biggest concern is that... um, the water saving of 106 gigalitres that they're telling us they will save through 
um, saving uh, water from being evaporated, and they include uh, seepage into the groundwater in that figure, um, depends on water actually reaching the Menindee Lakes. And as we know, since the uh, 2012 Barwon Darling Water Sharing Plan was altered after public consultation to benefit upstream irrigators over the entire river system, there have been decreasing flows uh, coming from the north, which is where the Menindee Lakes are fed from, down the Barwon system um, through the tributaries. And then the other connecting systems, the Warrego and the Paru. Um, so I think the last count, the Natural Resources Commissioner suggested, or it might have been Mick Kilty suggested, there were, I think it was Kilty, 50% less inflows. Um, now we can attest to that because we've had cease to flow events for at least five out of the last eight um, years. Uh, to the point where we've had dry lakes, dry rivers and dead fish. And over the weekend, many people gathered to learn about these projects. I asked Jane, what was the outcome of this meeting? The meeting provided information. A lot of speakers stood up and spoke about their connection to the rivers, their concerns, what they think is actually going on behind the scenes that we're not being told about. And there was unanimous support for leave our lakes alone. There's nothing else to say. We, we don't want your operational rules changes and system enhancements. Uh, we don't believe that you're actually going to save water from evaporation because there's no water getting there at the moment, so it's not being evaporated. Um, the logic of that argument falls down when you consider that for the last three years um, there's been no water in any of the lakes. So you could say if you sat in an, in an office in Sydney and looked at your Excel spreadsheet that you've saved 700 gigalitres per year if you believe the MDBA's figures and we don't know where they've come from um, because there's been no water evaporating. But in actual fact, there's been no water so it's not actual water. And this is the sleight of hand that we're sick of bumping up against um, and the lack of information and accurate data from the department. And what do you think the government makes of all this? Well, I'm not sure if they're aware of it, actually, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think if, if they are, they would prefer to consider that the the community's not informed or it's not um, not taking on the, let's face it, BS, the spin that we're getting told. Um, and the reason for that is because here's a, a community that continues to be traumatised by the post-colonialists with this modern-day strychnine in the blankets of taking water away and making them drink hypersaline bore water or paying 400% market value for bottled water, um, you know, it's it, they don't care. They don't care about us. They're, they're going to push on regardless of what the community thinks, um, which is why we really need to make a big noise. 
uh, and I think that'll be the next step. And how can people get involved and make some of that noise alongside the people of Menindee? Yeah, let, let me just um, also hit on that point too, Megan. It's not just the people of Menindee. The, the lakes are there. There is a, a town there that has been decreasing in population, um, but it's also the people of Wulcanya. It's the people of Broken Hill who have holiday homes there. It's the people from Wentworth um, who, you know, love travelling up the river and going fishing and camping by the lakes and toodling around and looking at the bird life, the students who come out here and study the, um, you know, migratory birds that fly down from Russia. Um, you know, it's it's connected to a global system. There are people who grew up here that have moved away, who come back, who have a real strong emotional uh, and sentimental connection to the area. And, you know, the lakes and, and Badger Bates makes this point all the time. It's not just about the lakes. The lakes are connected to the river. The river's connected to the landscape. The people are connected to the whole um, region, you know, and, and we're all part of one big country that's also connected underground through groundwater systems as well. And, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're all connected and, and we can't have this disconnection, depopulation, um, destruction of things that we value so highly. What people can do is get informed, find out more information through Friends of the Earth, through Environment Victoria in Melbourne, through uh, Nature Conservation Council of New South Wales here in in, uh, in New South Wales, through uh, SA Cons Council. Um, you can talk to your local MP about do you know what's actually happening out there? Uh, can you find out? Can you inform us? Can you speak to your water minister um, and talk to them about how have they made these decisions? You know, they need to be held to account because you can't just do this. There will be protests. So if the world ever gets back to some sort of normality and borders open and we can visit each other again, um, you know, come up and visit, talk to the locals um, once it's safe, of course. Um, come and, and spend some time out here and just really enjoy the, the very different landscape that is the Menindee Lakes. That was Jane McAllister, councillor at the Wentworth Shire and organiser at the Nature Conservation Council of New South Wales. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Megan Williams. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters or find us on your favourite podcasting service. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a rating and leave a review. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com and go to our Facebook page. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri country. 
today's show has come from Barkindji country, where I've self-isolated and relocated for the time being. To close out the show, we've got some final words from Uncle Badger Bates, Barkindji elder, speaking at the meeting at the Menindi Civic Hall. See you next time for more Earth Matters. When we talk about the Menindi Lakes, to me, it's not just the lakes we see coming down from the Brogana Road and the bit around the tourists where they go. Okay? It's got to be all the lakes. Remember that when your fellow explorers came here, they seen a lot of water. When my people, the black people, were here for thousands of years, they seen a lot of water. Think back to when they developed the stuff in the Minindy Lakes. They managed these lakes and they done it all right. The only mistake they were made, making was destroying black people, my people and the rest of the people, heritage in this town. They were destroying burials. When I was in National Parish Hospital, we tried to stop that. Okay? Then the government got greedy and took our water. They gave my people, look at us, native title. 2015, just before that 2015, they was written a lot of us, all of us, taking our water, our lifeblood, right? If we can't sit down and work this out, and we should be able to. What are we going to leave for our kids? Ain't a lot of us, no matter what colour we are, we say the future for our kids. We've got a heritage here, black fellas and white fellas, heritage, what go back a long time. We've got things here where black fellas made a fire. It's not just Mungo National Parks, it's here. You've got megafauna, you've got everything here at Medindi. 45,000 carbon date. You got history. You got Burke and Wills country, white for the history. Not just a black for the history, you got white for the history. To me and my people, they can just leave the lakes alone. Well, the white people want to say things. Leave the lakes alone. Come here to this town with a plan of what they want and then listen to the people. You got Dominic there, what was here for a long time. We got things here, we got no employment, we got nothing. You know, years ago, people had plenty of employment, now what we got? A war zone with nothing. Are we going to sit and take nothing all the time? I'll be 73. I want to leave something for my grandkids, and I'm pretty sure to use one. Do something, make the government work. Don't just sit and say, we want this, we want that. They're not going to listen. Tell them what we want and get it.